there's a big problem in the marketplace. 99% of people can't get their music heard. I want to build a music social network. The first music social network, truly a music social network. And around helping new artists get their music heard. And three, two, one. You're listening to The Real Social Proof Podcast with Mr. Sleepers for Suckers himself, David Shand. Let's get it. Welcome to another edition of the Social Proof Podcast, where we find dope people that did dope stuff. Today is no different. I'm really excited about this one because I've literally been asking Tony to come to the podcast for a year. No lie. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And he said no. <laughs> he said no. Like <laughs> most of the time, somebody. If I not to toot my own horn, did I say no? What? Mad times. I don't remember that. Most of the time, if I ask somebody to come to the podcast, you're excited. Y'all, I'll book my flight. He's like, no. He said, not right now. No, not right now. Maybe later. <laughs> or we'll start talking about something different. I'm like, bro, can I get you on the podcast? So, um, Tony Abrams, how are you? I'm well, man. What's up, brother? I'm awesome, man. Good I'm to awesome. see you. Happy to finally have you here. Um, uh, I, I got to let everybody know that you... Helped me get out of my job. So I met you when I was working at the Cheesecake Factory. This was, you came to Georgia in 2009. Um, my best friend Brandon uh, brought me over and he's like, this is my Uncle Tony. He said, this guy's a millionaire. I said, <laughs> really? I was so, like, I was so intrigued. I was like, wow, like, really? And he said, yeah, you got to meet him. He, know, he knows all this business stuff. Now, Brandon don't know him about business at this point. He's like, he just he does business and stuff like that. I'm like, all right, well, cool. So I meet you and just the coolest person in the world. And um, this is where I got the whole philosophy on taking people to lunch. Oh, okay. you remember our lunches? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. We used to go to uh, that Italian place, the mm -hmm. Olive Garden. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then we went to like some sandwich spots because I would always price out what's there first. And I think I think with the we went to Olive Garden the first time we went I don't think you got a lunch portion you got a dinner portion I said nope next time we doing sandwiches <laughs> <laughs> I was still working at the cheesecake factory but but you gave me so much game on leaving my job your per, your perception of me two thousand nine what was it hungry ambitious mm. on the move yeah. So, yeah, 2009, I'm still there. I think I actually started my business 2010. I think we met in 2010. And I started the business 2010, and I'm just trying to get this T-shirt brand off the ground. And you just advised me on, like, so many different points on, like, running my business like a business. Well, you're doing it still to this day. Like, you were good at asking the questions. Mm -hmm. Even then, you had your podcast mobile. Because you were taking me out to lunch and you're probably taking other people out to lunch and you're asking questions and you're applying those questions in your own experience, in your own businesses. And you're still doing it today because I'm sure you're listening to people at your guests and you're like, yo, I'm going to do that, you know, <laughs> and, and you're growing your business and you're just asking the questions. Yeah. And so you're really good at asking the questions. Yeah, you've definitely been my most impactful mentor. Um, so I want to get into the the kind of like the backstory of how you became who you are, right? So fast forward, you started, what would you call Tweedle? It's a, it's a, comp what would you call it? So I, I, there's a podcast, but it's a streaming platform. It's a, it's a music social network. A music social network. Yeah, it will become. It's on its way. How much you put into it so far? Uh, personally, a quarter, 250,000. Yeah, but you know, but, but we've raised uh, two and a half million. Mm-hmm. 
which is kind of funny because it's just not enough money, right? I literally need like a Steve Stout infusion. You know, he gets $70 million from Google to set up United Masters and then Apple puts in 50 and then another group comes along. It's that kind of money it takes to create these really strong, compelling propositions in the marketplace. So I got to amp my game up a little bit. So t- tell us about Tweedle, because I always like when you start talking about Tweedle, because you're so passionate about the music industry and stuff like that. So uh, so fun fact in music is that... Um, oh, introduce yourself too, because we'll Yeah, so awesome. let me give you some back some background first, so how I kind of did my journey. So I am, you heard me earlier, I'm a CPA by training. Um, worked in public accounting, Harvard Business School, Wall Street investment banker. And uh, and then I became a tech investor and I was a founding partner and CFO for a uh, venture capital firm that spun out of a tech, a large global tech company. Hold on, how did, how did, you, how did you get into that? So I was a finance guy and this little group was forming in a large global tech company and they needed a CFO. And my buddy worked at the company and he said, oh, you got to meet my friend, Tony. And they met me and I became the CFO of this uh, venture capital group for Lucent Technologies. What year was this? This was, oh gosh, man, this is early 90s, I guess. Early 90s. Mid 90s, yeah, at the time. And a tech company. So like, I didn't, tech wasn't as... So that was, now. it wasn't, yeah. And that was, that was when I got my first seven-figure check. So it was, uh, so literally it was like, you know, all of a sudden there's a seven figure, seven figure check. <laughs> but, oh, but how did that come about? What you so mean? we did it. So everybody in this room uses uh, our claim to fame. And so I'll tell a story. So about 20 years ago, uh, we sat down with a Bell Lab researcher and he said, wouldn't it be cool if you could connect your laptop to your corporate network remotely and not lose connectivity while driving down the highway? You know, and we thought, wow, because, you know, back then you can connect your laptop to your corporate network and you dial in and you get that squiggly sound mm-hmm. and you're tethered to your phone line in the wall. And so he was introducing this notion of mobility. And we're like, wow, that'd be really cool. And you're just thinking about like, you know, being on a plane or being in a car and you're logging into your corporate network and you're, so you're more efficient in your commuting and all that sort of stuff. And so we seed funded that napkin from our investment fund, $5 million. He drew up, drew up the whole idea on a napkin. We invested $5 million into this company called Flareon Technologies. We were now raised another $100 million with traditional venture capital firms. And we grew the business and we sold it to Qualcomm for $850 million. <sighs> and so I got a piece of that. And, you know, so... Tell me about the technology. What so the it? technology was really around managing packets of data over the air. And so, you know... Did he invent Wi-Fi? Yes, this was the first. So it was 1G. So we sold it to Qualcomm. So we had mobility, Qualcomm Whoa, had... Whoa, hold on. What so this it? guy... Hold on. No, 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 no. So this guy is drawing on a napkin, Wi-Fi. He was drawing on a napkin, diamonds and squares and triangles. <laughs> <laughs> and he's engineering stuff, right? And then, you know, so I didn't quite understand the napkin. My partner uh, is an engineer. He kind of understood the proposition. And um, yeah, but that's what it was. It was describing the ability to share information over pipes, over networks, wireless uh, uh, data networks. The first generation of Wi-Fi. Yeah, so it was and 1G, first generation. Investment. Yeah, so it was, it was when we uh, sold it to Qualcomm, they combined it with their solutions because they had mobility in mind. 
and uh, I mean, miniaturization. And back then, I mean, cell phones were big, you know, it was kind of funny when you think about it, but, you know, it was an analog networks, you know, and all that sort of stuff. So it was really slow, but, um, but it was the future and it was all about putting a personal communication device in everybody's hand. Mm. And that's what they were called, PCDs. Now they're just mobile devices, cell phones, smartphones, all that kind of stuff. But back then it was a personal communication device. Wow. Yeah. And um, so... That's what happened. And so I saw it from 1G to 2G, 3G, 3G LTE, 4G LTE. Now it's 5G. The whole evolution of it. Who was that guy? I don't even remember the engineer's name. A shook or something like that. He's a trillionaire by now, I'm sure. Well, you know. Well, unless they took the technology, gave him a small cut. I'm not going to, I don't know his personal economics. (laughs) To be be honest, I really don't know his personal economics. But that that whole company that y'all put together was specifically to invest in companies. It was a fund. It was an investment fund, but our corporate parent was our financial backer. And Bell Laboratories, which you may be familiar with, is a large uh, research center and they would just invent new technologies of researchers trying to create whatever they want, just a white piece of paper and invent whatever you want across a wide spectrum of technology applications. And this was something that was born out of Bell Laboratories and we mm. created a new company around it. Wow. Did y'all have any other uh, big hits? In terms of- I mean, we've had technologies that are embedded in things like you ever get like... Um, a, a, we call it reverse 911. That came out of a company we call Public Safety Systems. Mm. So um, in collaboration with Motorola. So think about it like there's a gas leak in a community and you get a notification mm. or you get a notification of uh, guns being fired on campus and, you know, on a college. That's a reverse 911. Like, you know, there's a public emergency and the public, the administrators at large are letting the public know what's going mm-hmm. on. So that's reverse 911 versus you seeing an incident and you're calling 911. It's reverse 911. So gotcha. some of those kind of technologies uh, were embedded in our public safety system business, um, uh, which was the birth of the whole 911 system, by the way, too. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, but you decided to leave that company. So, uh, I mean, it's your company. So, yes, I was a founding partner and we uh, started partnering. We So we bought our portfolio from, so we started investing through Lucent Technologies, uh, who was our corporate parent. And uh, and we bought our portfolio. So we went out, raised $180 million. We had a collection of companies that we bought out. And, uh, and then we started partnering with other research companies like Motorola, Intel, research mm. intensive companies, Motorola, IBM, Intel, British Telecom, a um, bunch of others. And we were spinning technologies out of their research centers into startup companies and we would provide the capital to fund those companies. Oh, dope, dope, yeah. dope. But why did you... So did I did it for about 12 years and it was, it was, it was no longer fun. Right. The passion left. It was just making money. And and I never forget, I went to my partners and I said, my son is playing in Little League Baseball and all these local businesses would like buy banners and put on the home run wall. Mm -hmm. And I wanted our company to have a banner on the home run wall. It was like fifteen hundred bucks. Right. So I was like, yeah, you know, we could put our company banner on my son's Little League. You know, I want the company to pay us fifteen hundred bucks. And I got partners and they said no. It's like, oh, you know, it's like, man, we're not even down with the community. And that started my mindset. Like, I'm, mm. this really is just about the greed of, of 
capitalism and Wall Streetism and investing and stuff. And it really wasn't about community and give back or anything. And it, and that began the downfall of my desire for that business. And so, um, so when I resigned from the partnership, uh, that resignation process was like a year because, you know, you're a partner, you own a big chunk of equity, you care about it because mm-hmm. you own equity. And, uh, and you've worked with these people for 12 years, you know, you've seen their kids grow up, mm-hmm. you know, their wives and spouses. And that was like my family, mm-hmm. my work family. So, um, still talk to those guys? Yeah. 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 Uh, some of them are investors in Tweedle. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So it was, it was a journey. It was a transition from, uh, from, uh, you know, being in this environment, it was the first entrepreneurial play. Cause when we bought it out, it was our, my first entrepreneurial mm-hmm business, um, but it was funded and running. And so it didn't have the pain of starting like a new company. Um, and so after 12 years, did you sell your equity or no, I mean, for a couple of years afterwards, they were still making investments and selling companies and I was getting checks. Mm. Yeah. So second income stream. Yeah. So, so that was some money while I was doing my sabbatical, I had some, some cash coming in and, um, and, you know, when you're good at doing something, people kind of get the word about what you're good at and they call you for the things that you're good at. And I had gotten a call from uh, a lawyer that I work with. He says, hey, we got this client and they launched an investment company in New York and they don't have a CFO. And I was like, I don't want to be a CFO of an investment company anymore. So, well, just maybe you can help them out, you know, help them get set up and everything. Right. And they had raised like $200 million and they... Jeez. And, this, and only only white people can do this, right? I'm not racist, but I know I don't know of any black person that could could raise a 200 million dollar investment fund and not have a finance organization in place at the time that they raised the fund. Why do you say only white people can do it? Because this? we have to demonstrate that we can manage their money, right? You know, so if you're going to raise a 200 million dollar fund, the investors want to know that you can administer your fund, that you can you know manage the money and and be in compliance with all the terms and conditions of the agreements and all that stuff. And that's usually the role of the CFO. And, you know, you have these guys who have $200 million and they're like, they don't even know how to call the capital down. They don't know how to do the reporting. They don't know how to do anything. They didn't have any infrastructure. So I had to set it up for them. And so I agreed um, to help them out. And so for that five-year period, you know, once a month, I'd work a few days and they were paying me well to kind of be their outsourced CFO. Mm. Okay. So that so while it looked like I didn't work a lot, I didn't. But <laughs> Just, he I, wasn't did, doing I did do some work. I did <laughs> right, do some right. work. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So you five year sabbatical. You leave the you leave the company that you built. Yeah. And so now I'm down here hanging with, hang with you guys. Absolutely. Hang, you know, Absolutely. Yeah, having lunch with you and messing with my nephew over there as well. And mm. chilling with my family, working out with my parents. You know, mm. I have my they were coming to the house working out with my mom and dad, which is kind of fun and yeah. and, and, and uh, in its own way. And then I get a phone call from a buddy of mine and he says, uh, you ready to get back in the game? And I said, what do you got? And he says, CFO for Diddy. And I was like, well, I don't know if I want to work for Diddy, but it would be cool to meet him. <laughs> so I flew to New York and 90 minutes later, he convinced me to relocate back to New York to be his CFO. And the CFO of all his companies. Of everything. So, yeah. So he had, I don't know, like seven businesses. So I would be like the corporate level CFO. All of the businesses had like a lead finance person and they all reported to me. Oh, so... You're over like, it is what, Combs? Combs Enterprise. Yeah. 
So let's say like Bad Boy has his own CFO. Right. And that's uh, let's see, reported Ciroc to me. has her own CFO. Right. But you are responsible. Of- Sean John has CFO. Revolt TV has its CFO. And they all reported to me. It's so important that Black voices are represented in Black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of Black uh, voices and influencers from Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. From the finance function, they reported operationally to their CEOs of the businesses. So, but but they all kind of report to me and I sat on the boards of all of these companies. How's that? How was that? that? Well, it was uh, it was probably the best job in my career mm-hmm. uh, working there, primarily because of the diversity, right? Um, you know, it was a very diverse company environment, a lot of black leadership, a lot of uh, female leaders in the organizations, uh, Latinx's mm-hmm. uh, leaders in the organizations, and white. Mm-hmm. So it was a very the most diverse um, company I've ever worked for. And if you're coming in, there's there's got to be something that you're coming in to fix. Was someone leaving or or what, what, what brought you? Yeah, I mean, you know, every business goes through a journey and, you know, uh, you grow, right? And you outgrow your team, your infrastructure, uh, and you have to kind of catch up again. And that was the phase that, you know, Combs Enterprises was going in. Diddy had sort of moved beyond music and Ciroc was blowing up. Revolt had just been launched. There was a lot of things going on. And the infrastructure around it wasn't, you know, keeping pace. Set for the growth. Yeah, yeah it, was, it wasn't set for the growth of the business. So I had to come in and upgrade and, and uh, professionalize the organization and the infrastructure around it. Yeah. Did you meet Jay-Z and Beyonce? Met Jay-Z and Beyonce. Who's the most interesting celebrity that you've met? Just being Jay-Z and Beyonce. Really? Why? <laughs> well, because they're, you know, it's funny because they're VIPs among VIPs. And I'll tell you how I met them. So uh, Puff had a New Year's Eve party in Miami at his house. And, you know, he's got this big pool in the back. And so it was 
two o'clock in the morning or so. And like my wife's feet are killing her. So she's sitting down and I would do loops around the pool just to see who I could meet. Mm. And that a loop would take me like 30 minutes, right? Because, you know, you stop and you're meeting people, yeah, you know, yeah. Dennis Rodman, um, right. you know, Al Sharpton. You don't, you don't know who you're going to meet. You're just walking and you start meeting people and you're working your way around. And so I'm talking to somebody and just over my shoulder, I look and literally Jay-Z is right here and Beyonce is right there, right? Mm. And it's like three in the morning. I'm like, yo, Jay, yo, man, I'm with the company now. <laughs> I'm literally with the company a month. Right. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, yo, Jay, B, hey, what's up? I'm Puff's new CFO. How you guys doing? Like, like, like they know me. Right. right? <laughs> so, you know, I get the hug and stuff. And I was like, yo, man, we get this quick pick. Right. And I, you know, I pulled out my cell phone and they just like, they, you know, they just quickly chumped up. Right. And like, pose for me. Right. I'm like, I'm, and I do click and my phone says, battery too low for a photo, right? I was like, thank you for that. All right, you know, because what can I say, right? right. I put my phone away and I didn't get the photo. Goodness gracious. <laughs> I, was, I was about to ask you, where's the picture? Yeah, so then we so never saw it. So then we, uh, you know, they go into the VIP section mm -hmm. and in the VIP section, all night long, there was like a, a section in the VIP section for somebody who was a real VIP, mm -hmm. it was for them. Oh, like, wow. Yeah, so they go and they sit in they, there. Even at Diddy's house, there's VIP yeah, and then so, there's a VIP section yeah, for Yeah, so, so you are you got Jamie Foxx, you know, Mary J, or, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Robin Thicke and mm -hmm. Paula Patton and just all these VIPs in there. And I'm talking with all these people and... Jay-Z and Beyonce come and they get a seat and they get their special food and they get, you know, it was like all like wow. laid out for them. VIPs among VIPs. So we sat down and started, you know, Marilyn, my wife is sitting down talking to Beyonce. I'm talking to Jay-Z and wow. stuff. And the reality is, is that they're just people. They're just, when you know, they're just all people. Yeah. You know, everybody's got their different style, but you know, like Buster Rhymes is really cool. He's fun. And just, everybody's just people. Mm. Wow. You know? And I know in the, I think you left you no. When did you start RLL Finance? You remember RLL Finance? That was here. All right, look, I know you're enjoying the episode, but I got to tell you, finally, you asked for it, and we created a Patreon, okay? We created an inner circle. We have amazing stories, amazing information, the how-tos from the episodes. The only thing we're missing is a community. So... It's about that time. We put together our Patreon. We put together our community because we have to have conversation around the information. So even this podcast we're listening to right now, there needs to be conversation. I want to hear what you got. I want to hear what you got. Like, let's throw some stuff back and forth. And because we're like-minded, we're all going in the same direction. When we connect, connect in a community, we can connect on other stuff outside the community because we're building real relationships, okay? So... Check out the Patreon. We got three tiers. I don't care what tier you join. Um, the support is um, the support is appreciated. Okay, thank you so much. Now back to the episode. No, I'm saying no, no, no. But where? Oh, so that was before. That was you before I went to work for Diddy. I was living in Atlanta. That was a big problem that you wanted to solve. Yeah. So I try. I try. I try to focus on. If I were to leave a message for people, is like the bigness of your dreams matter. Like you hear people talking about how you start your journey. Um, and I always just say like, you know, dreams can get really big. Like I'm trying to build a billion dollar platform yeah. right now. So Tweedle in my mind could be a multi-billion dollar platform and it takes a lot of capital. I've been at it for four years. It's not making any money, mm -hmm. you know, can't give up on the journey. You know, it's just like, it's like that story. It's like, you never know, uh, uh, when the last strike is going to come for the tree to fall. Mm -hmm. So you just keep 
chopping away and your right. hands are bruising. You don't want to stop because that last hit might be the one that topples the tree. Mm. And so, you know, logic would say, give up, give up. And I just can't give up because I feel the momentum, but it's not showing up in revenues and business developments and all that kind of stuff and, and raising capital. So you just keep hitting the axe. So tell me yeah. about Sweetle because it's, it's a huge... Yeah. So, so, um, so while I'm working with Puff, right, um, I'm going to all these music industry events, the Revolt Music Conference and different things. And so people see me in the VIP section with, with Diddy or with French Montana, or some of the Kardashians or Kanye, whoever this VIP guest is, I'm in the VIP section with them too. Mm-hmm. So, so people are observant and then I'm Tony. Mm. Right. So they leave the VIP with their entourage. I leave the VIP and walk across the hotel lobby like I'm Tony. Right. <laughs> so I get swarmed by these young, aspiring music artists mm. and they're asking me for advice on their music career. And I'm like, I ain't a music industry exec, but, yeah. you know, they think I am. Right. And 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 really, when I thought about it, like I am a connect. Right. Like I know all these people in the industry and I have access and stuff. And so you know, I started talking to these and they would hit you like 20 at a time. And I started asking, what's your biggest problem? And they all said the same thing. They can't get their music heard. And I'm like, all these young, aspiring music artists who want to hand out their CDs and their flash drives and their music and stuff. And they're just trying to get their music heard. And that was their experience. And I was like, there has to be a better way. Why is it that they can't get their music heard? And so. So, and that was probably like 400 artists over the course of a couple of years uh, where I heard the exact same thing. I can't get my music heard. How do I get my music heard? So I went out and started doing some research on like what's going on in the music industry and stuff and learned some fun facts. And uh, the fact I think that hit me the most that I was able to deduce from everything I was reading was that 90%, 99% of all new music regardless of how good it is, goes unheard. 99%. So when you're listening to the music around here on the radio and stuff like that, you're listening to 1% of the creatives out there. Mm. And, you know, just case in point, so Spotify at the time had 3 million artists on their platform and only 22,000 of them, seven-tenths of 1%, less than 1% generated streaming income over minimum wage. Wow. Less than 1%. The rest, they're just not being streamed. And those stats held true for YouTube streams, Apple Music, whatever the case is. People don't get their music heard. And there's a whole bunch of reasons why that is. But Tweedle is designed, but the fundamental reality is, is that you can't, the industry is not set up to vet the, the volume of content that's out there. You know, it's still gatekeeper driven, somewhat manual. And is it, really- it seems like that. Um, it seems like kind of like we have this independent movement. I mean, a I can big start- movement today. Big movement. Yeah. Oh, wait, that's because that's because what's being heard loud and clear is that the industry can't vet the content. So people are naturally going to find other ways to get their music heard. Gotcha. Right. So so and, you know, but still. 99% goes unheard. Yeah. Right? With all the movements and push for TikTok and, 
you know, social media and stuff like that, it's still hard to get your music heard. And there, and that's because there's no efficient way to connect uh, artists with people efficiently, right? If you think about it today, most people don't want to be a discoverer. Most people don't say they like discovering new music. Because what do you have to do to discover new music? You got to scour through websites and blogs right, and man, social so. media and, and music networks. And, you know, it's just a lot of work. It's not efficient. It's not easy and stuff. And so nobody really wants, people just want to experience new music. Mm. They don't want to have to, quote unquote, be a discoverer and right, go out right. to the uncharted waters and stuff. <laughs> but, but the fundamental, but 200 million songs are released each year today. How can any industry vet that? The people need to vet the music. Right. Right. And so our platform is like, let the people vet it first as opposed to last. Because today you're trying to go into the system that produces and does all this sort of stuff. And then at the end of the process, they promote it and stuff and then say, what do you think? Mm -hmm. right, put it on Spotify. What do you think? Right. And the people come in at the end and say, nah. And if they don't like it, the labels put you on the shelf, your music don't get heard. When we're just saying, like, tell us what you like up front, right? Because technology... So, so walk, walk me through Tweedle and what it does. So, so the difference with Tweedle is, is we socialize first. So we believe that the people should have a voice. It's a, it's a democrati democratization of, of the process. So we just went through it uh, a couple of years ago with the election of a president, right? You, you know, uh, the Republicans say, hey, we want to run for president. And Democrats say, hey, we run for president. And anybody can submit their name on the platform, right? And you got to build your fan following. You got to get a community around you to say, sign enough petitions like, yeah, I want, I want to hear your views. And then you get out there and you give a stump speech, and people tune in and I like what this person is saying. I like what they're doing. And you follow them and you support them and you share them with your friends. and You do all that kind of stuff. There's no platform like that for, for music, in a sense, where you can have a true democracy where the people have a voice. Right. And so. So the whole idea is like to give a home for artists where they can upload their music, where people can randomly discover music by genre and lend a voice to it. Like, I think this is nah or dope. Right. right. And they you get to choose on it and stuff. And based on that, um, you know, if I follow you and you think a song is dope, it's just going to populate my tip off list. Like Dave is tipping me off to a song that he thinks is dope. And you didn't have to share it with me. You just said it was dope. But because, um, but because I choose because I choose to hear that from you when you think a song is dope, because I know Dave's got good ear for music. Yeah. If Dave likes it. I want to hear it. Right. And so it That's makes hard. it easier for music to move around between people as people have their own communities around who they like to hear music from. Right. Because everybody's got somebody who, you know, they like to they like their sense of style of music, even whether they tell you it or not. You know, mm -hmm. I don't need your permission. I just follow you and low key sure. hit the setting. Right. And like, you know, I'm being <laughs> tipped off by Dave. And so it's just an easier way to uh, connect and engage with the artist. And the goal is first to build a music <clears throat> social network. Right. Like big problem. Get your music heard and find new ways in which you can monetize that content, because video content is everywhere and music is synced with video. So you look at Netflix. All these low budget films are coming out there and you can you tell the music is is uh, underground music or, you know, it's not that uh, they're not using all the top artists. Right. But how are they selecting those artists for that? They probably call a label or speak with somebody and they get in there. There's no efficient way as a new artist 
to put your name on the list for that movie, so, that video, whatever. Let me ask you, is it kind of like, so Netflix right now, you can just find all, and for some reason, shouts out to them, but it's like um, a lot of African movies on there now. Yep. Where he's, I mean, I don't know if they call a movie African, but a lot of, you know, they got the accent. You know what I mean? So, but it's like, it's almost like you can put whatever you want on Netflix. I'm sure there's a vetting process, yeah. but um, but they have the joint where it's like, because you watch this, we're going to suggest this. Right. So with Tweedle, it's the same thing. It's like, because you listen to this, you'll probably like this. And that's with or, every platform. Right. That's every digital or, platform or, does that. But if you follow me, then you can follow my taste. That's the special plus. And that's what creates community. Yeah. That's lit. And, and that's what brings the crowd to your sound. Walk me through how you built Tweedle. Oh, God. Well, I didn't build it. <laughs> I mean, you didn't build it, but you have this idea, gaping hole in the market, you find a problem. Right. What do you do? So that's, that in of itself is the very first step, right? Is like finding a problem, right? I get passionate around problems. RL Finance, you talked about, I was looking at a problem that existed in the marketplace. This is also a problem that exists in the marketplace. And so try to find a big problem with a consumer base that I think is desperate. All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. And it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. And what's clear is that new artists are very, very desperate to get their music heard. There's no question about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so... Um, I set out to uh, solve it. Didn't know what I was going to do. So I put together a team of four or five people and who I respected their ear and music and thought were cool and smart and whatever. And, and I said, let's talk about this, this problem. And we got into a room and we started, I want to build something to solve this problem, maybe an app or a website. You know, there was no sort of definitive approach, but here is a big problem. Let's solve this problem. And we ideated like, over a period of like four meetings, each meeting lasted maybe two hours. Mm. And at the end of the four meetings, we had this whole vision and concept 
laid out and had a guy on the team who had some uh, creative design skills and designed the prototype. Mm -hmm. And now I had something that looked like an app on a phone that had no music, just just <laughs> images, but you could click and make it you know, move and you could tell a story with it. And I went out and raised uh, two and a half million dollars with that. And then Wait, started- Two and a half million dollars without the app. See, I mean, thinking you got to have the app. You know what I mean? Like, you got to build it, then show people how it works. Yeah, yeah. It's great if, you, so you're, if, selling if you're Mark Zuckerberg, you can do that because he was an engineer and a coder, right? So right. he built Facebook in the dorm because he's an engineer. And he learned all the business stuff later, right? I learned all the business stuff first. I don't know anything about coding. I need, right. I need somebody who can build the technology out. So you took this, this prototype, you went and raised two and a half million dollars. Yeah. What was that pitch like? Uh... It was a 15-minute pitch that basically said, there's a big problem in the marketplace. 99% of people can't get their music heard. I want to build a music social network, the first music social network, truly a music social network, and around helping new artists get their music heard. And that was the pitch. And let me show you what it's going to look like. And so they can upload music and you click and you now, you know, when you can touch and feel stuff, it's like, oh, it had a cool interface, yeah. look cool and sexy and sleek, and people gravitated towards it. Goodness gracious. Yeah. And, and the funny thing was my biggest investor came from someone I didn't even know. I was waiting to meet with a buddy for drinks and I'm sitting at the bar and this guy is sitting next to me and uh, he had on a gold watch and a fancy suit and, you know, and we just kind of started talking. I said, what are you doing? He says, I'm an I'm a, I have an investment banking firm out in Kansas, uh, somewhere like Kansas yeah. City or something. And I uh, come to New York from time to time and doing deals and stuff. How about you? Hey, I'm launching this cool thing. Gave my little five-minute spiel. He's like, yo, this sounds really cool. Like, I'm doing these $100 million boring industrial deals and stuff like this. This would be really fun. I think I can help you raise the money. I said, okay, cool. He says, uh, here's my card. Give me, you got a card? I gave him my card. He says, next time I'm in New York, I'll call you. We'll do lunch or dinner or something. And I said, okay, cool. And then his guest came and he left and my guest came and we went and had dinner or whatever. And that was that. And I was like, this guy's never going to call me. <laughs> Two weeks later, my phone rings. Hey, I, you know, I'm back in New York City. And I said, I'd call you. Let's do lunch or something. So mm -hmm. we meet up for lunch. I give him the full little pitch. He's like, yeah, I can help you get some money. I can get you a million and a half dollars. Uh, I can set you up real fast. You know, I know somebody will be perfect for this. And literally within 10 days, I had a million and a half dollars in the bank. What? Yeah. He set up the meeting. They loved it. Started documenting it. Never met the people. They say, well, before we cut the check, can, can you fly out to Kansas City and meet us? I was like, sure. Got on a plane, flew out to Kansas City, met with the team, flew back home. Two days later, a check was in the account. What? Yeah. Okay. If you're <laughs> so it just means you have to be conversational. You got to be every, you're always on stage. You're always on stage. That's why like sometimes... You know, you think no one's watching. Everybody's watching. People watch how you move. People watch how you talk. People watch how you dress. People just watch you. And so you're always on stage. And that was a, a moment where I was on stage not realizing that someone was observing my performance. Mm. Goodness gracious. Preparation. That's it. Somebody you didn't know. You didn't just know. started talking that talk. You met them. And now we're friends. I bet you are friends yeah, now. now. we're friends, yeah. <laughs> so I know him well now. Yo, are you able to tell me about the, um, the, the, the situation where, like, the guy gets these people together and he takes, like, equity or something like that? Remember you were telling me in New York, like you said, it's going to be, 
a room full of investors. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because so, that is the coolest thing. I was thinking, yo, I need to do that because he's smart. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're out trying to raise more money for the company. And, um, and we're, I'm, if I'm lucky, I can get another $2 million. I hope it's $5, 6000000 mm-hmm. But, you know, we got to raise the capital. And I get a call, again, just always on stage. Mm-hmm. I, my phone rings, and this guy, a Russian guy, he says, uh, Tony, you still looking to raise money? He goes, yeah. Who called you? Who was the guy? Who was the Russian just, guy? His name is Boris. <laughs> a random uh, Boris called well, you? I, I, well, I met him two years ago. So okay. he says, you may not remember me, but we met two years ago in New York City at this event kind mm-hmm. of thing. And he remembered me. I didn't remember him, but he remembered me. Pin in the story. How do you become memorable? I, I, I don't get a call like that. Yo, I met you two years ago. Let's like, let's say, Oh, Dave, you're memorable. I don't know. You're memorable. All that memorable. You're memorable. What are you talking about? You follow me on the gram. You're memorable. You see, but think about the love that gets spread with you while with your guests that come in. They're they're here because they, they've already you've already become memorable to them. I take that. Yeah, that's real. So I mean, really, it's just it's your passion that makes you memorable, right? If you're passionate about, like the young woman here who was speaking about real estate today, she, mm-hmm. and your tax guy, they were so memorable because they're passionate about what they do, and they made it interesting and gave good feedback and good information about how they can apply it in their life. And so for me, um, they were memorable. I follow them. (laughs) They were memorable. And so you're reaching hundreds of thousands of people every day. You're memorable. You get 500 people on a call every day. That's memorable. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they're like, it's almost idea, but it's not like groundbreaking. This is one thing I I learned from you. We had this conversation and I got got this t-shirt brand. I'm just thinking, okay, sleep is for suckers. It's going to be like kind of like a boutique. It's going to be cool. And I said something like... um, I think you said, what is the goal, your biggest goal or something like that? And I said, I want to have my brand in a store in every state in the United States. Or he said, yeah, like a boutique in in every city, in every major city or whatever. He was like, why don't you just try to pitch for Macy's? And I gave you this whole story on how I don't want to be in Macy's and it's not cool and all that kind of stuff. He's like, yo, you need distribution. And I couldn't really see past what I had done in Atlanta. We got a couple little boutiques. Right. And one of the things you taught me is like, yo, just you got to go so big. And I think in terms of that memorability is if you if you talk to somebody about something, so if he was like, yo, I'm trying to do this little net, social network thing with music, nobody's going to remember that. Right. But I, I've heard you talk. I mean, I think I talk, call you for something else. We talk about the something else for five minutes. And then you spend the next 30 minutes telling me about Tweedle. <laughs> tell me about the problem, about, you know, like the, the streaming music and stuff like that. And I'm like, yo, it's, I, I'm, the, I'm not a big music guy like that, but I get so, you pull me into it. You know what I mean? So I, it's, I think, it's the passion. It's just, yeah. I'm not excited about taxes. I was excited today about taxes. Ta- you know, I'm not excited about taxes. I'm not excited about real estate. I was excited today about real estate, right? People bring their passions, the passion for what you do that makes you memorable and exciting. And it's also that passion that, that makes you take the risk. Like the woman said, it's like, I just had $5,000 and I did it. I just did it. I didn't ask for permission, made no excuses. I just did it. And that's, that's passion. That's, that's really, that's the self-belief. Yeah. Yeah. What are, what are some of the comments? And we're going to get right back to Boris. 
But being around, because you've been around high high net worth individual yourself, had a you know successful career, and just being in those circles, what do you notice? Which is maybe a common thread amongst this group, elite group of people that you know that the 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 beginning level entrepreneur may not necessarily adapt yet. Well, I would just say that at every level you have to have a network that's beyond your level. Right. You have to be talking to people. So I remember when I first started in college, coming out of college, um, I was making nineteen thousand five hundred dollars, spent four years going to college. <laughs> I could. But but, you know, I'm an older man. So that was real money. What's up, podcaster or soon to be podcaster? Get ready to level up your podcast game because the number one podcast education summit of the year is back and it's bigger and better than ever. I'm talking about the second annual podcast summit happening on July 4th and 5th in the content creation capital of the world. You already know ATL, baby, Atlanta, Georgia going down July 4th and 5th, two full days. Imagine this. Imagine you getting all the game you need to take your voice, your brand, your business to the next level. Imagine getting all the insider tips. Imagine getting all the know-how that you've been craving for the last two, three, four years where you're talking about you're going to start a podcast, but you haven't yet because you don't have the tools. You don't have the tips. You don't have the tricks. I don't care if you're just starting or you're a seasoned pro. This summit has something for everyone. Picture you mastering the basics of setting up your podcast or unlocking the secrets to grow your brand on social media. We're not just talking about podcasting here. I'm talking about you want to build a long form catalog, whether it's skits, movies. We got people talking about script writing. This is an incredible experience. Imagine, imagine discovering the art of securing these lucrative sponsorship deals. And that's not all. Learn the ropes of creating a pitch deck that has sponsors knocking down your door. But wait, 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 wait. There's more. This isn't just a summit. This is an experience. I'm telling you. Rub shoulders with industry leaders. And you got to network with other people that are doing what you're doing. All the guests that have ever been on Social Proof Podcast, I'm giving them a free ticket. And in exchange, they promise me that they're going to sit down and do short interviews with you. We got podcast booths for our VIP members where you can sit down, pull somebody to a side, and you're going to create content in real time. I know what you're thinking. How do I get a part of this podcasting paradise? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is head over to podcastsummit.com, grab your tickets now, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have something really, really special for you. I got a little treat for my early birds, people who take action. The next 20 listeners and only 20 listeners who get your tickets right now, okay? I'm not only going to give you 20% off of whatever ticket level you get, you get 20% off, but if you use the promo code Big Deal. It'll take 20% off immediately, but I'm also going to allow the first 20 people to listen to this right now to be able to bring a friend, bring a teammate, bring a partner for absolutely free. You get general admission, they get general admission. You get VIP, they get VIP. Whatever ticket level you purchase, you get to bring a friend, partner, colleague, boo thing for absolutely free. Nothing extra required. My team's going to reach out to you, get your partner's name, or if you don't have the person you... No, right now, yet you got time, no pressure, you get us back. But use that code big deal that triggers to let us know you get to bring someone for free. So don't wait. So secure your spot at the number one podcast education summit in the country. Join us July 4th and 5th in Atlanta. Let's turn your podcast dreams into a reality, y'all. Head over to podcastsummit.com. Use 
promo code big deal at checkout and get your tickets now don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights take your brand to new heights take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer okay i'll see you at the summit and don't forget to use promo code big deal back in the day right that was that was livable income and um 20 grand yeah i was making 19.5 i was mad that i wasn't making 20 right (laughs) Hey, y'all, I ain't going to lie, man. They sent me this Eufy lock. Think about being on the couch. Someone rings the doorbell. Your child left their key at school, and they need you to get off the couch to open the door. Well, you don't have to do it anymore with this Eufy lock. You can open, unlock, see who's at the door all on your phone. It's super easy to install. You can set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It's keyless entry so it's no more fumbling for your keys when your hands are full coming from the grocery store 0.3 second fingerprint recognition listen you put your fingerprint on there you don't have, even if you got you got your bags you put one finger out there boop you get to unlock your door that way no battery anxiety you don't have to worry about the battery dying quick charging it's incredible also passcode unlocking and remote control with a 2K clear sight camera so you can see who's at the front door. You're in control anywhere from the app. Enhanced night vision. It's absolutely incredible. No monthly fee either. So unlike other brands that charge a monthly fee, you have you have uh, recordings locally, and you don't have to pay for the storage. Customer support is on 10. Listen, Ufi is on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty. All backed by our professional customer service team. Listen, you can contact them anytime, telephone, email, or live chat. Okay? Listen, you need this Ufi lock. You need to look it up. All you have to do is go to the official website, Ufi, E-U-F-Y dot com. I just... Order mine, okay? I love this product. It is incredible. It's a game changer. It makes life so much easier, right? So if you have a video doorbell already or any smart lock, it's it's, it's time to replace it. It's time to replace it. So listen, search Eufy, E-U-F-Y, video lock. Search Eufy, video lock. That's E-U-F-Y, video lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door, okay? You can get a complete control of your front door, your life, back door, incredible, okay? So search Eufy, E-U-F-Y, video lock, or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock. So, uh, and, and I would hang with people who was making like 35,000. Couldn't tell me that wasn't the world. Yeah. Right. And then all of a sudden you find yourself making 30,000. Right. And then it's like, you know, you're hanging with people who are making 75,000 and then you're making 75,000. You're hanging with people who are making 150 and then you're making 150. You're hanging with people who are making half a million and you're making half a million and you hang around with people who are making 2 million and you start making a million, whatever. And it's just, it's, you always got to hang around people who's doing something different than you and more than you and, and, uh, and, and still have your other network. I still have friends of mine from around the way that are just doing their thing and we still communicate. We wish each other happy birthdays and we follow each other on the gram and we'll talk a couple of times a year and stuff. We'll see each other at different events and stuff. And, and that's cool, but you got to have somebody in your network that's taking you to the next level all the time. 
all the time. So I just, for example, just got an email. I was invited to, um, uh, and I, I came here instead. I came here instead. So uh, in New York, uh, a fundraising dinner for a brother who's running for governor of Maryland. Mm. Right. And the guest list is like, yeah, I want to be in that room. <laughs> right. It was uh, a way cooler room. Though. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, this is a cool room. But but it was it, it's it was but it's that kind of thing though. when you think about the people in the room and like, wow, OK, some of the people I know personally, some of the people I don't know would love to get to meet. But you know, you're getting invitations to be in the room. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, so, but what are, what are some of the personality traits that you find amongst, like, super successful people? Uh, they're fearless and they're thoughtful, right? They think through the issues and the challenges, right? Like, like somebody telling you what you can deduct is one thing, right? But building a business so that you can have something to deduct is another thing, yeah. right? So you, you, all those deductions are great, but like build your business. Like nothing comes more, like those are problems you have when you build it. So focus first on building. Like, yeah, you can get the deductions along the way. That's all cool. But at the end of the day, build your business. Yeah, Grow sure. your business. 100%. Grow okay. your business. All right, so Boris. Boris calls it Tony. Does he talk like that? He's Tony. Uh, I've got it. <laughs> yes. Yes, he does, actually. Yeah. Okay, so he calls you and says, I met you two years ago. Yeah, I, I met, met you. Uh, you know, you may not remember me, whatever, whatever. Are you still looking to raise money? And I said, yeah, I'm always looking to raise money. He says, great. You know, I'm doing this event. And, uh, you know, raising raising capital is is an art as much as it is a science. And I've gone through so many different cycles of reaching out to venture capital, talking to angel investors, high net worth people, all this sort of stuff. And, you know, you get various types of platforms that people invite you to. And, and, and this one was just the most unique that I've ever heard. He says, I have a network of investors. And for three days, I want you to host them to dinner. And I will bring you 30 investors a night, unique investors, just to hear your pitch. And all you got to do is feed them dinner. So, and, and, and I said, how do you get paid? He hold said, on, hold on. So just, 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 just because it's the coolest thing in the world. Boris has friends, network of entrepreneurs, of, of investors. Doctors, lawyers, business executives, whatever. Just high net worth people who are looking to invest in early stage cool stuff. Right. So they're actually, they're going to come because they're looking to invest. They're looking, stuff. right. And he puts them in a room for three days back to back. No. Each day, 30 people. So, so it's 30 unique oh. investors. So you get 90 investors over three days. Dang. Yeah. And, and when you give your presentation, it's just you. There's no other uh, presentations being made, no other competing companies. It's you. They either like you or they don't. So they're coming, the investors coming, one, because they, they want to hear an interesting business opportunity to right. invest in. But two, you, get, you feed them. And you feed them. You right? pay. Yes, I pay. Food. Okay. So this will probably cost me $15,000 for the three days, five, $6,000 a night yep. to feed, you know, 30 people, two glasses of wine, nice dinner or whatever in New York City. And, um, and I get a chance to tell them my story. And then somewhere within a period of two weeks, you'll have your money if they like you. Right. Yeah. And, and he's, you know, people have raised $2 million, $6 million different amounts of money at his dinners. So he says, and he gets paid only if you raise money. 
That's lit. Right. So it's like, I, I don't have any, you know, my skin is in the game. Like, I want you to raise money because the more you raise, the more I get paid. Mm. He just takes a percentage. He just takes a percentage of the money. Yeah, like that... 5%. So if you raise, you know, a million dollars, he's going to get $50,000. <gasps> is that not brilliant? Yeah. Because I know some investors. Bro. It's, mon- it's, it's monetized. He's monetizing his network. And he's just, I'm just bringing you cool stuff. You don't have to invest, but if they invest, I get 5%. And then he says, he takes it one step further, and I want my pay in equity in the company. So I want to take my 5% and reinvest it in you and get stock like they're buying. So now, you know, he becomes an investor in all these different companies that he brings through and just has a portfolio of all these new startup plays. Who's you? Yo, tell Boris I need him on the podcast. <laughs> I'll get him in there. <laughs> I need Boris. First, 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 I'll see if, if it works. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> if it works and we get funding, I'll definitely get him in here. Well, I went, it's coming up soon. November fifteenth and sixteenth. So we're doing two nights. Oh, it's yeah, it's coming up. Yeah, 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 next yeah. Weekend. yeah, yeah. I mean, from when y'all don't know when we're recording this. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. Are you ready? <laughs> of course, I'm ready. I'm always ready to tell the Tweedle story. How much are you? I'm looking to I'm, raise. Well, you know, I mean, I'm hoping to raise five million if I can. Yeah. But I'll be happy with two million. What does that represent? Is there a cap of money that you will Well, accept? you know, valuation, people always say, like, how much, how much of your company do you give away? It's like, it's like, how much do you sell your house for? Right? Valuing a business is like valuing a home. Right. So when you think about it, What's my house worth? If I'm going to put it on the market to sell, you're going to look at all the houses in the neighborhood that sold. You're going to do the comparable study and say houses in this neighborhood typically sell for this. And then you're going to look at, well, my house has all these upgrades and stuff so I can get a little bit more and all that kind of stuff. And you value your home. So that's what you think. That's what your ask is, Mm -hmm. right? And then the buyer comes along and says, nah, I'm going to offer you this. Mm -hmm. And you might get the experience that Joe had where people are frenzied and they offer more than, yeah. the, than the ask, or you might get a bunch of people offering less. But the market value of a house or a business is what a willing buyer and seller are willing to agree to. Mm-hmm. So that's what market value is. So you can say my house is worth 200,000. If you get four offers at 175 and 180, your house is really worth somewhere around 180 because right. otherwise, you know, you, you can't get what you want, right? Sure. So so that's the same concept. So uh, when you think about how much of my company do I give away for money that I raise is a valuation question. How much is my business really worth? And you say, mm-hmm. well, you know, I think my business is worth $100 million. And so if you give me $10 million, you're going to get around 10% of the company, Right. And, and somebody might say, well, I want 15% of the company for $100 million. You might, which brings your valuation down. You mm-hmm. might say, well, I want the $10 million and, you know, what's well, 5% between friends right. sold, right? Like, and <laughs> right, the value right. is $90 million or something, right? right? Sure. So that's really how it works. So that's the dance, right? So you go out with an asshole, you know, if I, okay, I'm saying my company is worth $20 million today. And so that's the benchmark. So mm-hmm. if you give me $2 million, now my company's worth twenty-two. Right. Right. And two divided by 22 is what you get in terms of percentage ownership. If I was going to go into this presentation where I'm going to present an idea, because I got some I got some ideas that I need some money for. Right. So new ideas, there's a there's a typical range for a new idea, which is around, you know, five million dollars mm-hmm. for just a brand new idea. And you don't have a product. You just pitch an mm-hmm. ideas and you're trying to raise money, you know, 
if it's a really good idea, you can get away with a five, six million dollar initial valuation. Mm-hmm. I need a million though, so I can get this. Yeah. But what would you advise somebody to go into a situation? Because I'm gonna I'm essentially asking you what you're gonna keep in mind while you're doing this. But say I was gonna call Boris, like Boris, hold me down. I'm in there. Mm-hmm. Next three days, I'm gonna present. Right. What advice would you tell me to keep in mind amongst this elite group of individuals that you're asking money for? You know, you got to know your value proposition. What are you selling? What are you offering? Right? What's what's the problem you're solving? Mm-hmm. Right? And if the problem is big and if the problem is urgent, those are the best deals. Mm-hmm. Right? If the problem, so you're solving a big problem is one thing or you're reinventing the way something gets done today. Right? You're making it much more efficient to, mm-hmm. like Amazon just makes it so much more efficient to buy goods and services. Mm-hmm. Right? That's why they just blew up. Like, or, or Tesla just changed the way automobiles are made and how your value lasts. Like part of the reason why people buy Teslas is like you buy a car, as soon as you drive it off the lot, what happens to the value? Goes down. Right. Tesla sends you an over-the-air update and now your software is updated and your car is like a brand new car. You got all the new automation from it, like you get an update to your phone, mm-hmm. right? So, so the value of your car stays, you know, declines much less uh, rapidly than the automobiles today. So they changed the whole economics of automobile ownership. Because every time they update their computer system, they're going to update your car, just like your phone gets updated. Mm-hmm. I was like getting a new engine. Yeah, it's like if Apple <laughs> Apple can update your device with all the new operating system stuff over the air, and right. Tesla does that too. Gotcha. Right. So so that holds the value of it. So you buy a car for fifty thousand. Five years later, you're selling it for forty thousand instead of twenty thousand or ten thousand right. or something. For sure. Yeah. So what what? How do I translate that advice to? How do I keep that in mind? Are you saying I just gotta? I have to make the problem. Or the solution revolutionary. Yeah, make it just really think about what it is you're trying. What are you are you are you making it more efficient? Or or are you just solving a problem that no one has ever solved before? Or are you just introducing something completely revolutionary that no one even thought about? Mm-hmm. Like, wow, it would be really cool to be able to walk around and talk to people and have a, a music on the same device. I mean, Apple just said, you know what, we're gonna give you a cool phone that you can like touch screen and do stuff on. And it was just a phone. Mm. And like no one had ever experienced like this ability to communicate in a mobile way. It was just revolutionary. So you can, you can really come up with a whole new idea. Just, it's just make it really new and interesting, right? That's the, those are the most exciting things that people want to invest in. Technologies for tomorrow. Yeah, I would love to have been in that conversation where the dude did the little drawing on a napkin and y'all gave him five million. That must be an awesome <laughs> presentation. <laughs> because I, and I think it just goes to show like your passion, your, your ability to communicate an idea has the most value to anything I can think That's of. That's what it is, yeah. Not yeah. even your ability to perform, like your, I, your ability to communicate an you idea. You got to be able to tell the story, which means how you speak matters, yeah. right? So we don't often as a community pay attention to how we speak. But when you listen to them, like Kanye, Jay-Z, Diddy, they're brilliant. Like mm. if you just listen to them, yeah. they're brilliant. They're not Harvard educated, but they speak well and they communicate their messages really well. Yeah. They're great brand marketers. 
one thing I, I, I learned from you too is uh, on the structuring of a deal. Like any deal can get done. Yep. You just have to structure it. Yeah. Right. So um, I, I, I got a couple of deals that I'm, I'm going to run past you. I'm a right? fin- I consider myself a, to be a financial engineer. So every deal has complexities. And how you deal with those complexities is the negotiation, mm-hmm. right? And so if you're going to buy some real estate and you're doing the due diligence, like I'm buy this land, 40 acres, mm-hmm. and the mule is dead, but I still want the 40 acres, <laughs> but you're trying to charge me for the dead mule, right? <laughs> and a dead mule could be, it could be like, you know, we got some environmental issues on the property, mm-hmm. right? So people were burying barrels of oil and, and it needs to be remediated and removed, then there's a cost. Or, you know, uh, we got some other land use issue, Mm -hmm. right? Some eminent domain, like uh, easements where people can walk through it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like, you know, so like, for example, Rockefeller family owns Rockefeller Center in Manhattan. People walk across Rockefeller Center all day long, every day. So that's an easement. Everybody has the right to walk down Fifth Avenue in that area, cut through, and you can't stop us except once a year. And the way, and they, they do it once a year where they block it off from traffic. Cars can't go through, whatever, once a year to claim their property. Really? Yeah. We, they, that's way, that way you don't get a federal easement where you just lose your right to stop people. It's no longer your property. It's like if, if you have a house and kids walk through your backyard every day and you get a little path. And that's their shortcut to go to school. And every day they walk through your backyard and they walk through your backyard and then you go to put up a fence. And for 20 years, you let people walk through. You've lost your right to that path. Wow. You know, because there's an easement for, for 20 years. People have been going through it as a path like, you, you know, you didn't protect your property. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. But, but if you put up a fence and lock the gate once a year, but let him go through anyway, <laughs> you know, but except one day, then you've taken control of your property. Rockefellers are smart. Yeah, yeah. Golly. Okay, so... I don't know how we got on that topic. Yeah, we're talking about deals. Like okay, structure yeah, yeah, deal. yeah. So deals come with complexity. So um, so you always got to think about the risk in a transaction, right? When you're doing a deal, you're buying property, people want to buy houses and stuff. And the young lady, Terry, was talking about the risk, mm-hmm. right? That's the due diligence process because every deal has risk. I call it hair. You know, there's always hair on a deal and some deals are hairier than others. Mm -hmm. And your job is to figure out what the risks are and who should assume the risk. Right. Because that's really all you're negotiating. I know what the risks are. Okay, so I'm gonna give you the scenario. So there's a building that I want to get. It's a million dollars. And I'm going to do some really, really cool stuff in it. I got this whole vision of like, you know, we're going to build like escalating seats, like auditorium and have the auditorium seating. Right. So we're building an auditorium. Right, but really cool. Like almost like you do, you do an opera in this joint. Okay. I, I want to get the building. It's a million dollars. Yep. The stuff that's going on in the building, I don't necessarily want to partner with someone. I just want to take their money, and I pay you back. 
pay you a certain amount of money back. Mm -hmm. But what Terika was saying a second ago was like, no, I'll partner in the negotiation with some hair. And she, now she said, I want, I want to, I want equity in the business. Right. What is, what do you see in that deal? Where's the hair? There's no hair in that. If, if they, you know, the hair is, she wants to get her hands dirty in managing the business in ways that you don't want to take the business. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you want to protect your vision, right, you have to have the control over your vision, like, you know, the decision-making authority, right? So you make sure you document those kind of things in the contract, like, I have full authority to do this, 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 and this. And these are the kind of things I have to bring to your attention, yeah. right? But I don't have to ask permission to do this, 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 right? You document those kind of concerns. Have you had- Those are easy ones. Have you had a, give me, give me a deal that you've experienced that super hairy, like- or maybe maybe something was missed and it was just a big explosion. It's not, you know, I they're all confidential, so I can't oh, really yeah, get I can't really get specific. But but um, I mean, not hypothetical, but what is it? Inconspicuous. Give me, you know, what I'm saying. Give you a, just give don't you, say to yeah, my name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me. <laughs> let me. <laughs> so um, uh, we were negotiating a deal with a large global telecommunications company. So we bought our portfolio out, our tech company out of our parent company, Lucent. And we were looking to partner with a global telecom company that had their research centers and they were in Europe. Mm -hmm. And we had spent a tremendous amount of time negotiating this deal and spent a lot of money on lawyers and travel overseas and all this sort of stuff. And one of my partners is leading the negotiations. And so I'm, I'm sitting in my office and our counsel comes running into my office. Tony, this deal is about to blow up. We can't afford to let this deal blow up. If this deal blows up, we're ruined. Like, and it's degenerated to the two principals cursing the F-bomb at each other, MFs. And <laughs> like, <laughs> this, is, this is not good. So I run into the room and all I hear is my partner... Give me the edited version, Excuse Tony. Me. <laughs> Sorry. I, mean, I thought he was doing good with the F-bomb Yeah, say, well, okay. F this, F that, F right. that. And, and on the, uh, the speakerphone is right. coming back at him. So, so it's crazy. So I immediately hit the mute button on the phone. And I looked at my partner like, what are you doing? Like, you know, meanwhile, like the, this insults are still coming from the other <laughs> side. But I'm like, what are you doing? Like, we can't we can't afford to lose this deal. Like, we got to stop this. And um, and so let me speak. And so uh, I got back on the call and I I knew the party. Mm -hmm. So I said, hey, this is Tony. What's going on? This and that. You know, I said a lot of fun going on in the room right now. <laughs> so I just really want to know what's going on. Like, what what are the issues that you're trying to deal with? And, you know, I don't know if you ever read this book. This is when I really dug deep into an old book that I had read called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm -hmm. If you haven't read it, you must read it because I think it's habit number six or five. And it says, seek first to understand, then to be understood. Because when people see that you make a passionate effort to understand them, they're more willing to understand you. And so I immediately jumped into seek first to understand mode. Right. And it's like, what is your problem? And he started telling me what his issues were and stuff. And I articulated it back. And, he was, and you know, people never give you their problem in first layer, right? It's like, what's wrong, honey? Nothing. Nothing. You know, 
<laughs> no, no, really. My wife, did she talk to you? <laughs> no, really. What's, <laughs> no, really, what's wrong? Well, you know, I just I had a bad day at work. Oh, so, you know, your boss says something? No, well, basically what happened, you know, and you got to go through the layers and like seven questions later, it's like, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, I, I hate this. You took the time to understand them and you peeled away the layers. And that's what I did with this guy. Like, mm -hmm. so what's going on? And he starts telling me, and I was like, so what you're saying is this, that, well, no, really it's this. And you go through that back and forth until he's like, that's exactly what I'm talking about. That's the problem. And I said, I understand your problem. And um, let's see if we can fix that. So in fixing your problem, I just want to make sure that we can do one thing for us. And he goes, well, what is it? Now he wants to hear what my problem is. Mm. And I said, well, our primary concern is this right here kind of thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, we can work around that. And then you start changing the dialogue around cooperation. And within 20 minutes, we sealed the deal. Wow. And just changing the tone. So to me, I just think it's about just understanding that it's a negotiation. Everything, there's no rule book. Like you can study everything on how to buy real estate, how to, how to buy a car, how to buy a house, how to buy this, that, whatever. But in real life, it's just a negotiation. There's no cookie cutter approach to a negotiation. Goodness gracious. He's helping me uh, do some things in my business right now. Do you want to, um, so you, you came into my company and he's doing it as a, Major favor, and I appreciate you uh, helping me in my business. Um, any advice you got for me? Because he found out uh, a lot about who I am and who I'm not through talking to the team. Well, I, thought I, I thought that was really cool how you did that. So he's like, let me just talk to understand. And I understand. So he came in to the companies talking to everybody. So we got Joe here. Is that Christina? That's not Chris. So we got Christina and Lauren and uh, uh Donald and Mark and just went to talk to everybody. What are you talking about me, Joe? It's confidential. All right, so what if, and you can tell me good or bad, it's okay, because my audience knows I need help. But what have you found out about me through talking to the people on my team? Um, that um, you're in a state of evolution, mm -hmm. right? That... Um, and with evolution brings about changes, not only organizationally, but personally as a leader. And so you got some leadership growth challenges uh, to managing a team that I think will be important in helping you grow your business to the next level. And uh, operationally, just so I have leadership, I have leadership issues. Not, I wouldn't call them issues. I just, you know, like, you know, when you, when you, when you used to work at the Cheesecake Factory and they wanted to teach you how to like, how do you get promoted from busboy to server? Yeah. Like, you know, you need to progress in these, the metrics, mm -hmm. and then you can get that promotion. Well, for you, you need to progress on some things so that you can be that next level CEO. What right? are the things that you see? Well, you know, I mean... It's, it's okay. I, this is, I like to be transparent because there are some other people that are dealing with some things. And yeah, I don't so, so one of the things is, is that, you know, so as you start making money, right, you know, uh, how you delegate your roles and responsibilities matters, right? Because everybody looks to David mm. and organizationally that will never work, right? You got to have a C-suite of some sort where teams and, and, and roles are, are allocated to people who you then give them the trust to do it. So you get really good at hiring. And if you make a mistake, fire quickly and replace Right. Um, but you got to trust people in certain roles and positions so that they can, uh, you know, help you grow your business. 
So, you know, so you kind of get out of the weeds a little bit. And um, so in the beginning, you're always in the weeds. Every entrepreneur is. But over time, there's so many weeds, you can't, you can't farm it all. You can't, you can't pull up all the weeds. You got to let other people pull the weeds and let them get in the weeds. And you take your level of concern to the next level. Like, I want to know the mid-manager level issues, bring those to me, and you manage the weeds mm-hmm. and the day-to-day to get everything done. And over time... What t- if you see issues, though, man? You got it. Well, that means you're not hiring right. Mm. You, you still want me? <laughs> that's, that's what it means. That means, you know, you got, you got to have... You got to... And sometimes it's not that you don't hire right. It's like you're not leading the people you have right. Right. So because uh, every step is a transformation. Like today, people hire me to transform organizations. Right. To to change culture, to uh, to, you know, fix their infrastructure, to build and grow and stuff like that. And so these kind of things that you're going through is a, a little bit of a culture change. And when you change a culture, that's really, really hard. And sometimes in changing culture, it means you have to ask people to leave. Sometimes it means people will leave voluntarily, mm-hmm. right? In changing culture as you evolve. That's just a natural part of growth. Like, you know, 20 years from now, you could have this billion dollar empire, but you won't be sitting around with the same team. You've seen that a lot. How I mean, often do you see people grow the, with I mean, the just, same team? I, I, I just put it this way. I've never seen it. Like when I, when I went to Combs Enterprise working for Diddy, there were a few people there who were there 20 years. And there were a lot of people there who were there five years, a lot of people there who were two years. And, you know, um, and the, the group of people who were there 20 years were faded. And I meet so many people like, oh, so you know so-and-so. I was like, what type? Oh, no, they were before me. Oh, you know so Oh, they were before me. Like, there was a lot of people that come and go before you, right? And that's always the case. And even as we went through our transformation, people came and went. You've never really seen the same... Well, I guess well, boys, you could. I mean, you, you could have two or three people that yeah. kind of grow the grow. And, even boys and men didn't stick together. Neither did one twelve. Either Drew Hill, either. See, dang, that's crazy. See, you go, you gonna stick around, Joe? Or? <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Let's you put know. it this way, though: the more, the more fun he has, the more money he makes, and the more leadership opportunity he gets, the more challenge he gets the longer he'll be with you. Will he be with you for 10 years? Maybe not. But you might be able to get five good years out of him. And that depends on you. Mm. Right? And, you know, the idea is, is that, that... always dependent upon so, me? Well, who else is going to... You know? I mean, I've had situations where I even maybe give somebody more responsibility. This is a specific situation. More responsibility, more money, and you wind up leaving anyway. Mm. Happens all the time. I've been that person. Which person? Get the money and leave. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, like, you know, I was pissed at my, one of, I worked at a company, uh, Ernst & Young, and I went and complained to my boss, and, um, and uh, he didn't fix it, so I went to my boss's boss, and, oh, you're going to be promoted to partner, you should hang around, you know, everybody loves you, this and that, whatever. Yeah, but I'm, I'm a disgruntled employee. Like, I got some issues. I told him what they were. And he says, let me see what I can do. So the next day, he calls me in his office and he hands me a six-figure check. Mm. He says, we like you here. He handed me a six-figure check. I took that check, said, thank you very much. I deposited it in my account. When the check cleared, I quit. Really? Yes. Yes. 
Wow. So did you take it as a pain and suffering? Like, yeah, it was like, you know, sometimes it's time to go. But it, it also says, don't be afraid to use your voice. I mean, sometimes we get so afraid of outcomes mm-hmm. and change is your greatest opportunity. Whether it feels bad or not, change is your greatest opportunity. The reason why you need to speak up because it's broken. It's not right. It's not sitting with your soul. So when you speak up, if you get fired, that's a change that's going to open up a new opportunity for you. Mm. And if you don't get fired, you might get a check out of the deal. And then you could quit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did ask Joe today, how is mental health? I was like, Yo, how's your mental health? And, you know. Doesn't Joe do mental You do mental health, right? You yeah, told me about something Joe's like that. Yeah, but Joe's the one that's most messed up. Oh, for sure. It's <laughs> <laughs> a psychologist that'd be crazy. The nuts in that. We're, we're, all, no. we're all messed up. Yeah, 100%, but, but as a leader, 100%. though, I mean, I think that leadership for growth is important, right? Mm. You are a trailblazer because people do watch you. You know, I was talking to a guy, low-key, I'm not going to mention the name, but I may have a a corporate sponsor for you, but I'm not going to tell you until it's a little bit more solidified, but uh, because I think it fits well with your brand. And this is, this is a real corporate global brand that, you know, if they, yeah, like I'm talking a real corporate sponsor deal. So, uh, but I don't know yet. Right. So I spoke to my guy yesterday. He's going to make the introduction and stuff. We'll see if it pans out, but I think it'll be a perfect fit for you. And, you know, but but leadership for growth is important because you are growing and people are watching. And so I said, yes, I'm helping my nephew. He's got this podcast, you know, real social proof. And he's got a morning meetup call. He goes, are you kidding? I know him. Like, yeah, I, I just watch this. Episode. I watch him every day. I'm, right. I'm, I watch him religiously. And he's out in L.A. Wow. He's out in LA and he says he watches your podcast religiously. Yeah. So, so you reach people, you are an influence for people. Uh, I never would have expected that nucleus to cross. He's like, I know your nephew then, David Shands, right? Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, give that, me a round of applause, please. <laughs> get out here. And then give Joe a round of applause because he makes this possible, right? So, so you see that leadership right there? Yeah. So, so people, people, <laughs> but, but it's important because you're, you're being vulnerable and saying like, I got weaknesses as I grow. And that's okay, right? It's, you know, it's not about how everybody has weaknesses. We all have them. The key is, how do you make your weakness your strength, yeah. right? Because if you always look at your weaknesses and make them your strengths, like you become a faster, stronger person, mm-hmm. you know? And that's, it's kind of like the, um, uh, you know, the gazelles and the hyenas, right? The hyenas always go after the slower, weaker gazelles as they're running in the, the, the safari in Africa. And as they eat and kill the slower, weaker gazelles, the herd of gazelles becomes stronger and faster because you're only as weak as your weakest link, mm-hmm. right? And so, so, uh, so as you kind of go through your leadership, people will realize when they're weak and they'll opt out, they'll complain, they'll make it seem like it's your fault. You know, you don't know how to manage your company, whatever. But low key, they know that they're not up for the task mm-hmm. and they're just going to quit. And other people, you're going to say, you ain't as good as you think you are. <laughs> you got to go, right? You're going to have to get rid of somebody. And, you know, and then the rest is like going to grow. But you got to become really good at finding good talent and then trusting the talent. And you're going to make mistakes and you fire quickly. And, you know, but you got to also invest in developing people and making sure that people understand your mission and your vision. Right? Because everybody comes into an organization with a goal and an objective that's their own. Right. So you got a vision like I'm moving in this direction and Joe walks in. He's got a vision that he wants to move in this direction. And how does he get his vision more aligned with yours and not sacrifice 
his personal agenda. And same thing with Christina and anybody else who's working with you. How do they align their vision and purpose and sort of what they want to do with their life in line with where you're going? And the more they diverge is when people leave because everybody's going to pursue their own thing. That's a fact. This was good, Tony. Thank you so much. Leadership. I appreciate it, man. And he came on and I, I, did, I did hire him. But he said, hey, man, if it's a little bit of money, I'm only here in 90 days. <laughs> He's like, I want, to be, I want to make this very clear, okay? I'm not here forever. I'm just helping you out. And uh, shouts out to Marilyn, because Marilyn convinced him. Because <laughs> he wasn't going to take it. I wasn't. But, uh, <laughs> I told my wife, Dave is bugging me. He wants to help him out. And he only wants to pay me X. Like, and I'm like, <laughs> she's like, well, you can't say no to him. Like, what? Like, <laughs> shouts out to Marilyn, man. She's got my back. But um, yeah. yeah, man, th- th- this was a, a very, uh, uh, I'm, I'm glad people get to be in on the conversations. We have these conversations literally um, a couple times a week. So people get to hear that. So I got to do a quick commercial. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't have that sort of young entrepreneurial message and way to make money real fast and all that sort of stuff. I just... I just have a message of, of, you know, bigness of your dreams. And that's what I'll close on after you do your commercial break. 100%. Okay, cool, cool. So, <laughs> so um, uh, this episode is sponsored by The Morning Meetup. TheMorningMeetup.com is the most amazing organization on earth. It's the only place that entrepreneurs gather every single day for the betterment of entrepreneurship. Tony, where would you go? Okay, out, excluding The Morning Meetup. Where would you go if you wanted to connect with What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com try. Go to shopify.com try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com try. 500 entrepreneurs every single morning. Not even every morning, but one morning out of the month, where would you go? Uh, I don't think there is a place I can go. It doesn't exist. And we do it every day, Monday through Friday. That's so, amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. So I get to teach entrepreneurship, bring on my special guests. My fa- You've been on there. You spoke on I it. I was on it, yeah. I need to bring you back. But uh, you want to come back? I'll come back. Good, good. So, like, uh, everybody, they, you get access to my entire network, and it's $79 a month. But you get to try it out for a dollar. If you like it, stay. If you don't, you can leave. It's all good. No obligation. No, no contracts to sign. So, um, go to themorningmeetup.com, and you'll be a part. So, so we got one more question before we close out, man. Um, I like to make predictions on the podcast. Okay. So, where do you see yourself in the next five years? Because I want to be able to watch this interview five years later. Okay. Tony said he was going to do that. Yep. So uh, in five years, Tweedo will be the most influential company in music discovery. Mm. Right now it's what, TikTok? Uh, TikTok is pretty influential. Yeah. Um, Spotify is, you know, they're really, you know, I mean, ask a new artist what's the most 
influential business in discovery and they'll say, I don't know, because I can't get my music heard. Mm. So uh, Tweedle will be the most influential music sure. company in music discovery. Yes. I love it. There it is. Well, look, Tony, please close this out, man. Let us know how to find you. Let them know how to be a part of Tweedle. And then close this out with a word of wisdom. Yeah, so Tweedle is spelled T-W-E-E-D-L. If you like to experience new music, so I, you notice I don't say discover new music. If you want to experience new music, it's all independent artists. Go to Tweedle, buy genre, sign up, download the app. Um, you know, it's a really, really dope app. It's a beta and it's got a ways to go. So uh, you can't really appreciate the future of Tweedle by looking at the app, but we got some really, nice app, we got some really, really cool stuff coming. Once we raise this capital, like be on the lookout for something that experiences you've never seen before. But the, the essence is, is that the people are the talent scouts, you know? And so the people need to be rewarded for identifying who's hot and being a part of like, you know, just think about it. You make every artist wealthy, but you don't get paid for that. Mm. Right. And, and it's because you're discovering them and you're, you know, you're promoting them and you're listening to them and you're excluded from the value chain. We want to change that. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of cool stuff coming out and just, you know, ride with the brand and five years, David, most influential music in, uh, company. Let's get it. I believe yeah. it, man. Look, yeah. thank you so much, man. Do you do yourself a favor. Make sure you follow Tony. What's your Instagram? Uh, straight <laughs> underscore. It's, it's, it's uh, straight to the point. S-T-R-A-8. S-T-R-A-8. The number eight. S-T-R-A-8. No, it's if you no, it's the A in there. If you if you just type in S T R A eight, it just pops up automatically. <laughs> right, right, right. Because I, you know, it's a it's an underscore two underscore right. point. But if you just type in S T R A eight, it should pop up. Because I don't think anybody has that. There it is. Uh, but it's straight to the point is the handle, and uh, uh, you got it. Yeah, S T R A eight, and it'll pop up. And I also am. Uh, you know, doing another, uh, this is my foray into entrepreneurship okay. at, at the grassroots level. I'm going to close on this too. So um, I've been on a fitness journey over the last uh, 18 months and I've lost 40 pounds. And, 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 and I, I did it with uh, body weight movements at home. 15 to 20, 15 to 30 minutes a day, five days a week. And, you know, and, and in that process, I started getting all kinds of health benefits. My, I'm, I'm 60 years old and my blood pressure went down and, um, you know, body aches, you know, those childhood injuries, like people never knew that, you know, I couldn't lift my arm up past because I, you know, I sort of almost tore my rotator cuff like 13 years ago or whatever. And so, hey, yeah. Hey, nobody knows you. There's a problem with your arm. Like, you know, but, but like doing like this, no. Touching my back, no. All that kind of stuff was impossible. I had a uh, double knee replacement. I was, I was told by my orthopedic that I was bone on bone and required double knee replacement and I could barely walk mm. when I began this journey. And without any surgery, I'm running four miles. I'm jumping, I'm wow. doing anything, and I don't feel any aches in my knees. I have full range of motion with all my joints. And I wake up with no body aches, like no old man morning stress. Like, uh, I just literally get out of the bed and start walking. And I just feel like calisthenics is how your body is intended to move. Um, you know, my abs are coming in, you know, my definition is there and, and I'm not going to the gym at all. And so I created a Grow Fit Together community. Uh, it's a community for men over 40, but anybody really can do it. Uh, but I target men over 40 
Uh, and it really just, you know, people ask, how'd you do it? How'd you do it? How'd you do it? I'll show you. And so every morning I'm on Zoom at 7 a.m. Mm. and I'm by myself. <laughs> no one shows up, but that's okay. I'm not giving up on it. That's good. Yeah, that's yeah. Good. I'm going to have to partner with you. Grow fit know. together. Right? Grow fit together. Look, man, do yourself a favor, man. Go follow my Uncle Tony, okay, right now. And also do yourself a favor, get you some social proof, meaning go build something, okay? But I need you to take what you've learned through the process of building something back to your community and teach them how you did it. All right, we are out of here. Peace. Come join the most amazing live mentorship and accountability group for entrepreneurs every morning. The, the Morning Meetup. Do you have a business idea you need to get off the ground? Do you currently work a nine to five and are looking for supplemental income? Come and network with like-minded individuals and take your business to the next level. Every morning from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with David Shand and friends. Try The Morning Meetup today for just $1. Head over to themorningmeetup.com. That's themorningmeetup.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.